y'all join me again uh, just for a brief time of prayer. Heavenly Father, the angels proclaimed a king has come. A king who, uh, whose kingdom knows and will have no end. Uh, nations will rise and fall. Uh, your kingdom uh, will never end. I, I pray we know that. pray we believe that. pray we can... Um, that can strengthen us in times of personal trial or, or the challenges that we see in our world today, that you are king overall, and your kingdom will never, ever end. May we kneel before you today. May we know you as Savior. In your name, our King, Jesus, amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to look at a very familiar Christmas passage this morning, Matthew 1. Uh, if you do not have a Bible, as always, feel free to uh, pick one up, the table over there. Uh, if you want to take a Bible home, feel free to grab one. We give out Bibles here at Bellwether. Uh, it's a good book. Check it out. Um, but no, seriously, take one if you, uh, if you need one. Matthew uh, 1. And let me say this um, before we read the Scripture. It's kind of hard each Christmas season, each Advent season, honestly, because we'll look at these very familiar passages, which is the Christmas story. And I know for some of us, I mean, me included, you know, the, these passages have, there's an emotional, like, meaning, a, a tie, a connection to them. I mean, it's, it's the story of, of Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men. And we're like, I don't know about y'all, but there, there's this emotional connection to the Christmas story. And a lot of times we miss out like what the Bible, what God's Word wants to say to us within that story. Are you tracking with me? I mean, you ever thought about that? I mean, like Luke 1 and 2 and Matthew 1, I mean, we, the Christmas story. And then we, we kind of treat the rest of the Bible almost different in that, you know, it, it's serious. That's when it gets serious. You know what I mean? But there's a lot. I mean, the Christmas story is packed full uh, for us in our lives, practically, spiritually. So sometimes we have to kind of push back the, the great Christmas story that we, we love and try to look at it with a new lens. So I, I hope that we, will, uh, we can do that today. So Matthew 1, part of the Christmas story, starting with verse 18, and I'm going to read through verse 25. The birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together... She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son. He named him Jesus. This whole Advent season, uh, the theme has been from darkness to light. Uh, very, very common theme in Advent that light has come into the world. John 1 tells us the light has come and the darkness 
cannot overtake it or overcome it. We look into our world and we can see darkness, real darkness, from, from war, from poverty, from challenges, from trials. I mean, we, we, we see darkness. And then sometimes in our own lives we have darkness. You know, you can, you can pick your poison. And Advent should be about, each Advent, each Christmas season, moving from darkness to light. The light of Christ. Moving out of darkness into light. Because light has come into the world. Light the Advent candles. Tomorrow night, candlelight service. Light has come into the world in Jesus Christ. Let's move from darkness to Him. That darkness will never overcome Christ. Let's move closer and closer to Christ. So I've been talking about themes that can be darkness for us. And today I want to hit on one that's very common. Fear. Being afraid. Actually, I was thinking about this, then that listening to uh, stories of, of soldiers, um, some of y'all have been in combat. I never have, but, you know, from seeing uh, movies, reading accounts, you know, sometimes a soldier can be going into uh, battle and just, just break down with, with fear. I mean, can't, can't move. I mean, it, it's like in total darkness. Doesn't know what to do. Can't, just paralyzed by, by fear. Rightly so. It takes real courage to, to go into, into battle, into harm's way. And, and some of us have our own personal battles, have our own personal battlefields, and we can be paralyzed. That's the best way I can say it. Paralyzed by, by fear. Not know what to do, not know what to say, don't want to say anything, just literally clam up. Now, there is a, a secular response to fear. When I say secular, I mean not Christian, like what the world would say. Like you might read this in a self-help you know, magazine or book or Oprah might tell you something like that. I, some of you may like Oprah. She's, she's good, but I mean, she's like, uh, you know, just self-help stuff. They would say, face your fear. If you want to overcome your fear, move into what you're afraid of and you will overcome it. And, and that's partly true. I'll give you a couple examples. We had um, Bill Blair, a friend of ours, a couple weeks ago, he preached and he, a lot of, uh, he used a point about mountain climbing. He's a mountain climber. I am not a mountain climber. Uh, I did take a mountain climbing class one time, and so I was climbing, you know, this, this rock wall. And at one point, I'd, I'd done a couple climbs, and, man, my arms were just like jello. And I said, I'm going to try to lead, okay? Leading is you're the first one to go up, and you kind of hook the rope in. And I don't know why I want to do this at the very end, and my arms were like jello, but I just, I don't know, you know, just saying, you know, I'm, I'm a bad, you know what? Dude, so I'm, I'm going to do this. And so I was climbing up, and I got to the very top, and my arms were hurting so bad that I couldn't hook myself in because I couldn't hold on to one with one arm. So I said, I'm just going to get to the top. I'm just going to plow right through. And my, my arms literally started shaking. And I was like, I'm going to drop, I'm going to drop. And so I dropped, and I dropped about 15 feet, and it caught, and man, it just it jarred me. I hadn't climbed a wall since. <laughs> but... After that, they said, man, tomorrow, then my teacher said, tomorrow you need to climb that rock wall. You need to face your fear. I have climbed since, but, you know, I didn't that next day. But he said, face your fear. Um, relationships, and actually the Bible kind of speaks to this in, in some points. That, you know, if, if you've got a broken relationship, if, if there's a challenging relationship, that what you should do is, is face the person. Get it out. Tell them what's on your mind. 
be open. As Christians, be humble and loving about it, but, but face them. The one thing I can never face on facing fear, I can't face snakes. I don't, I don't get that, you know. I hate snakes. I'm afraid of snakes. I ain't going to face no snake. But the world would say, you know, face your fear. Face your fear. Um, but as Christians, spiritually, like how do we, how do we face our fear? Because we can have real fear as Christians. So you're like, no, 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 Christ lives in me, light of Christ. We can have real fear as Christians. And I'm not just talking about like, you know, the real big stuff, death and, you know, bankruptcy or things of that sort. I'm talking about like being in a small group and being afraid to speak out because of what other people will think. I hope and pray our church never liked it, but human nature is. We, we're just afraid. Hey, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to look as smart as so-and-so or it's going to be stupid, you know what I'm saying. No, it's not, okay? It's not. Don't be afraid of that. Being afraid of changing some relationships. That's a biggie. I mean, say you, you want to grow and you walk to Christ, and there's a relationship that is pulling you away, and that relationship may need to change. I'm not saying it may, needs to be broken, but maybe it needs to change. Um, I've, I've heard stories, countless stories like this, that, hey, I want to grow with Christ, and I go to a party, and, you know, I get made fun of. And this is not youth. These are like adults. Adults. And being afraid to, like, start living for Christ. And we just want to be, you know, lukewarm and straddle the fence. I know I straddle the fence many, many, many years. Seems like decades. My mom would say it was decades. Um, but we can be afraid to step out. We can be afraid of saying, I want to go on a mission trip. Or you can be afraid to say, I want to go, but to actually go. The Heisels. Where are the Heisels? Jan and Mark, there you are. They're like, we would never go on a mission trip. They're going to Honduras in January. Jan is going to Honduras. Give her a hand. She's going to Honduras. Praise God. Fear, fear can, can hold us back. So how do we move, when you talk darkness to light, how do we move from fear to courage? Because the opposite of fear is courage. The courage to say something in your group. The courage to say, you know, I, I'm sorry, I'm, Christ's more important in my life, there, there's some things that are got, got to change, some lifestyle deals that have to change. Um, courage to, to go to Honduras or just go next door. How do we get to courage? I believe this passage speaks to us a great deal about moving from, uh, from fear to courage. It, it shows us some things that we need to face and we need to overcome if we're going to do that, to move from fear to courage, light to darkness. So... Go back to Matthew 1, and, and what it says with us, as, as Christians, if we're going to grow in Christ, we're going we're to be His, there are some fears we have to overcome, and we can. We can. The first one is, and you may want to write this down, three fears we've got to overcome. The first would be the disdain of the world. Or more clearly put, persecution. I just kind of alluded to it with parties. The disdain of the world. Verse... Um, 19 says, Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. Public disgrace. Listen, Mary's life, as Joseph saw it, was over. Done. She was pregnant. And she was not married. And people, even back then, knew how to do math. They said, okay, Mary, you know, I don't know, Mary, January, baby in May, something, you know, something hashing out here. Joseph knew, based on Old Testament law, 
They said, cast that, cast that woman out. She'd never have a job again. She'd be poor the rest of her life. She would raise that child in poverty. She's done. It's over. Life over. So Joseph is a good man. You know, he said, I, I don't want to publicly disgrace. I want to try to, you know, kind of ease her into disgrace, I guess. And, you know, let her kind of come about it slowly and gently. The disdain of the world happened then, happens now. That, that people were going to look down on Mary and Joseph. Joseph knew if he married Mary, his life was probably over too. Because people could do math and people would say, well, either, you know, you did some hanky-panky before or somebody else did some hanky-panky and it's not yours. I mean, it was, I mean, what he was looking at was being a social pariah. Happens today for us Christians. There is a, um, there's a big, massive billboard, Times Square, New York City. Some of y'all may have heard about it. It says, believe in the message of Christmas. And I think there's a, uh, I don't, you know, some type of Christmassy picture. Maybe it's Santa Claus or maybe just like somebody doing a kind act. I, I'm not sure. But it's believe in the message. And then it says, forget the myth. And there's a picture of Jesus. You hear me? Believe in the message. So, you know, just goodwill and good tidings, even though the angel said that. And then forget the myth, Jesus. And it's easy to say, man, that's, that's the, the bastion of, you know, of being liberal and, and being, you know, anti-religious or anti-Christian. That ain't going to happen here in the bedrock of, you know, the Bible belt, the buckle. And it does. I mean, more and more kind of we're, we're losing Christmas to holiday season, and I mean, it, it's, it's, it's closing in the world, the disdain of the world. And the reason it's closing in because the gospel is such a radical message. It's radical. What we're saying is, it's, it's one, it's, it's exclusive. I mean, it's saying, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, no one gets to the Father but my me, he said. So, so we're saying, and that's when the world, you know, looks down on us by saying, you mean, you know, you, you don't just be a good, uh, moral, uh, righteous person, and then, then, like, everybody goes to a good place? And, and they're like, well, if we, if we kind of look at Scripture, no. I mean, we love you, man. And, and we want you to know the love of Christ, but we can't reconcile that. The world's disdain would also say to us when we say, you know, we are uh, we're broken people. We're sinners, and, and we're saved only by the grace of God. I say, you mean you're not saved by being a good person? No. You mean you're not saved by doing good works? No. You mean you're not saved by building houses in Honduras? No. You mean you're not saved by regular church attendance and, and trying to love your... No. No. We're, we're sinners, and Jesus came, God with us, to, as the passage says, save his people from their sins. We, um, we have to have the courage to face the world's disdain. We have to have the courage to say, you know, I'm going to stand for Christ. I'm going to live for Christ. And he does save me. And, and he would save you. And say that in love. You say, well, well how do we do that? You know, I, I think, look at Mary and Joseph. I mean, I, I painted a pretty, pretty bad picture of what their life would be. Their life didn't turn out that way. God protected them. God watched over them. God took care of them. And now everyone all over the world, whether Jew, Hindu, Muslim, 
Christian, everybody, Mary and Joseph, they know. And so a lot of what the world will say, a lot of what people will say, maybe your relationships, friendships would say in the disdain and the persecution, God can take care of you. God can watch out for you. God can protect you as he protected Mary and Joseph. And he wants us to be resolved to live for him. So the world's the same. Secondly, though, we have to have the courage to move from fear into a life with Christ and the courage to face the adventure of his lordship. You can write that down. The adventure of his lordship. Courage to face the world's the same. Courage to face the adventure of his lordship. You're like, what is that? Adventure. I love that word. I love the word adventure. When I say adventure, when I hear adventure, I think of, I think of travel. I, think of, uh, I actually think of like ships out to sea, although I get seasick all the time. But, you know, travel and ships and like, you know, old stories. I think of mission trips. Uh, I actually think of now uh, the ministry. Uh, being a pastor is, is quite the adventure. Um, both from an internal level of, of getting into people's lives and, and really hearing them and, and trying to love them and trying to pastor them. I love being a pastor. I really, I love being y'all's pastor. Y'all may not love me. I love y'all. I really do. Church planting. It is an adventure to move from like five spots and, you know, five. It's an adventure. It's going to continue being an adventure. But the adventure of his lordship. You know, how is that? Lordship. That Jesus is Lord. You know, if you look through the Bible, and obviously we can't look through it all today... But if you look through the Bible, when people saw Jesus, they had three responses to him. Three responses. Every time is one of these three. They either were afraid of him and ran off. Or they hated him. Or they gave their lives completely to him. Let me say that again. They either were afraid, they either hated him, or they gave their life completely to him. Translation. There was like no lukewarmness. There was like no straddling of the fence. And that's what I want to say to me, to you, to us. When he's Lord, and we want him to be Lord, and not like a a lukewarm straddling the fence relationship. It is an adventure, and it is a great adventure. You'll learn more about yourself First in your brokenness and your salvation in Him. It's an adventure externally. You don't know where He's going to take you and where He's going to lead you. It may be next door to a person in need. It may be Honduras, India. It may be just Jackson. Who knows? But God can use you in such great ways and your life will be an adventure for Him and it will be good. And it'll, the, this is the, the secret of the gospel that to find life you just give it away. And I'm not saying change your profession, although some of you may need to. I mean, I'd love to see more people say, hey, man, I'm giving up being an attorney. I'm going into the ministry. Hey, I'm giving up being a doctor. I'm going to be a missionary. But God may, may need you in your profession, in the fields of business, in the fields of politics, in the fields of medicine. We say, man, stay right where you are and just live for me. Just be the light of Christ. It's an adventure. And I think a lot of people, the, the, reason, the reason I believe so often we're, we're like lukewarm to him is that we really haven't met him. Hear me on this, okay? I mean, I know you said, I'm at church, I've I've met you. No, I mean, really. See, you know, you you can kind of experience God without having met Christ. 
I mean, you can experience the, the love of Jesus in, in the community of the church without like needing him. You know, like face to face on your knees, Holy Spirit pouring over to you. I'll give you an example. I mean, you can you can go to the beach, and all of us love the beach. You can sit out looking at the grandeur of the ocean, and you say, Man, I'm just I'm experiencing God. And you know, I can just feel his might and his presence. But there may not be like a a personal physical, literal encounter where your life is changed. And that, that happens, and we want that to happen. When, when, Moses, um, when Moses saw God, and he actually didn't see him face to face, if you go in Exodus, he's up on Mount Sinai, and God says, you can't see me, you can't see my face or you die. So he turns, and, and Moses glimpses the, the back of, of God. And his face was shining with the glory of God for so long. It could have been, scholars something not just days, like weeks or even months. His face was shining. They had to wear a veil over his face just from seeing the back of the Lord. He, he met God, and it was just the glory, the, the glory of God. When, when you meet the glory of God, then you say, I, I will surrender. There is the, there's no more lukewarmness. I want the adventure. And that's what... That's what we want for you. And I know some of you can be like so hesitant. I know. I've, I was hesitant for years. It's kind of like there's a, there's a story um, about a person who was a singer. And this singer loved this other singer. I'm not going to name the singer's name because some of y'all might not like it. But would go to this singer's concert and just be blown away and sit out in the audience and just be blown away by the music and everything. And just, you know, just, just, feeling, the, just feeling the presence of God in, through the music. And... And then there was a door open where this singer could meet the famous singer and actually maybe be taught by the famous singer. And, and the girl said, no, I, I can't do that. I, I can't be in, in the presence. I, I'm so nervous. I'm so uh, in awe. I don't know what to say. I, I get everything messed up. I just can't. I can't. I just, I just rather kind of sit back and just experience the music. That's, that's so often what we do in our relationship with God. We We do. It's like, I don't want to see him. I don't want to get too close. I want to stand at a distance. And I'll come to worship every now and then. And, and definitely Christmas and Easter, I'll hit that. And, um, but, you know, groups, maybe a little bit too intimate. I might, might be convicted. Devotion time, I don't know about I mean, I, I, 30 minutes, you know, early in the morning or late at night. I can't do that. Um, making opportunities to really meet God and talk with him. We're, we're, we pull back. It's an adventure. It's an adventure. And it, meeting him will, will change your life, our life, the church, the, the world, meeting Christ. And that's what we want. So, disdain of the world, adventure of lordship, last. And this is the toughest, I think. Admitting you're a sinner. The courage to admit you're a sinner. Another verse, verse 21, she will bear a son. You are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Save them, save us from our sins, which translates that we are sinners. We're sinners. You know, lots of churches uh, every week give invitations. I mean, we give you an invitation to, to know Christ. And a lot of, of 
you in general, not just here, but all over the world, will say, hey, invite Christ into your life. Accept Christ. And a lot of people don't even know what that means. I mean, you've heard it all the time. Just, okay, do I just get him? Do I just, you know, accept an invitation to, what, go to a church? And so many people think of accepting Christ into your life means, literally, that if I work hard, then he will give me the desires of my heart. And if he doesn't, it'll be okay. It's not what it means. It's not what accepting Jesus means. Accepting Jesus is like receiving a gift. It's Christmas. We give gifts. It's gift-giving season. The gift is that we can't save ourselves. That There's nothing we can do from the songs we sing to the devotions we do to the groups we lead to the mission trips we go. Nothing we do will save us. And also that... God really isn't obligated to save us. God doesn't owe us anything, yet he chose to send his son to do what we can't, to to cleanse us. And then when God looks at us, I've said this before, instead of seeing the things we've done, maybe it's the past, maybe it's the present, and God being all-knowing, maybe the future, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus living a perfect life, dying a perfect death, rising up to save us. He will save his people from their sins. You gotta get the, you gotta have the courage to admit you're a sinner. Martin Luther, some of y'all don't know Martin Luther, you, you don't have to know Martin Luther. I mean, he's old guy history, I, I love church history. But Martin Luther, one of the most famous people in the history of the church, he was a preacher and a teacher in a seminary and like pastored people before he became a Christian. Wow. I, I don't think I'm like that. But you know, you never can. No. But seriously. I mean, seriously, because he thought that his works were saving him. The people he was pastoring, the sermons he was giving, the lectures he was teaching about the Scripture. He knew the Bible so well. He took communion. He did all these things. And then there was a moment where he met Jesus, and he said, man, I could not save myself. It was like the grace pouring over me, and he entered into new life and became follower of Christ. Some people say, you know, to admit we're a sinner, it takes weakness. You know, that's a wimp. And it takes humility. It takes, it takes poise. It takes grace, real grace to do that. So, fear to courage. Facing the disdain of the world. The lordship of Christ. It's an adventure. And admitting we're sinners. So how do we do that? I believe this passage helps. Verse 24, it says, When Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded me. Don't miss this. Track with me. And you say, okay, he awoke from his sleep and, and he did it. Something changed in Joseph. Something happened. It was a dream, but he, he was going to say, I don't want to publicly disgrace. I'm going to let her go off slowly. And he woke up and he, he did as the angel commanded him. Something happened. What was it? Well, Look at what happened. He thinks, there's Mary. She didn't have a choice. No, I mean, she didn't have a choice. She just, Daniel said, you're pregnant. Like, so I don't have a say in it. No, you know, God's chosen you. She did not have a choice. And, and Mary knew, as we talked about last week, her life was, was over, but she said, so I'm, I'll be the bond servant of the Lord. I'll, I'll do as you say. Joseph's like, she is giving her life for me. Because this child that she's bearing will save all people, Joseph like me, from their sins. She's giving her life away 
for me. And Job's like, if I don't do something for her, if I don't care for her, she's gone. So Joseph said, I'm going to give my life away for her. I'm going to protect her. I'm going to take care of her. I'm going to raise this child up. I'm going to give my life for her. There was an exchange. You see that? Mary gave her life up for Joseph and for many others carrying the child. Joseph said, I'm going to give my life up for Mary. And I'm going to choose to. Joseph didn't have to. He chose to. So how does all this playing about moving from fear to courage? Here's how. We're so like Mary. We didn't have a choice. I mean, like we're born how we are. We got some, we got some dark stuff in us. We got some sin. When we, I mean, I was saying earlier that when you're three and four, you have a strong will. Baby Ethan, truth be told, day three, four, five, he's got a strong will. I mean, he wants what he wants already. We want what we want. We want it now. And sometimes we don't care who we have to bulldoze through to get it. Something in us. So we didn't have a choice. We didn't have a choice in it. Jesus had a choice. Jesus, I mean, kind of like Joseph. Joseph had a choice. Joseph said, I'm going to go to Mary. Jesus said, send me. Jesus said, I will go. I asked Chris and the team to play Hark the Herald Angel Sings just for one verse. She probably, probably just kind of glazed over it like, like we always do. You know, singing the songs, reading the Christmas stories, but they're so powerful. There, there's so much in them. And Hark the Herald Angel says, Sings, it says, mild he laid his glory by. Born that man no more would die. Mild he laid his glory by. Mild meaning he didn't have to. He laid his glory by so that we would no longer die. What does that mean? That means when we're afraid to give our lives totally to Christ, to accept his lordship... We need to realize he's already given his life away for us. He's already given his glory away for us. When we're afraid of what people would say, we can have courage in that and God will take care and protect and provide, just as he did for Joseph and Mary. He loves you no less. He, he loves you no less. When we're afraid of like, you know, hey, you know, I got to do this Christian thing and they're, they're like different people and maybe, you know, we're not in the same, you know, zip code or bracket or race or language or anything, you're kind of different. There's no different. We're all born into sin. Sin's the common denominator. Don't be afraid. When we're afraid of our past, our past, when the partying, maybe a pregnancy that you didn't want, maybe just things that you have done, look at Mary. Look at Mary. Who God chose to carry his child a teenager, poor, uneducated, in the backwoods. God's saying, I'm choosing Mary just as I'm choosing you. It's for gospels for anyone. Don't be afraid of your past. Even when you're afraid of your heart. Because your heart says, you can't do that. You can't lead that group. You can't speak up in a Bible study. You can't do devotion time. You can't. Now, your heart can say those things. You're not good enough. God says, I'm much bigger than your heart. Much bigger than your heart. Take courage in Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, there's really nothing to fear. And, and so often, myself included, we can be afraid. But you tell us there's nothing to fear. Not even death. That you have defeated death.
I pray we'd walk in courage. I pray we'd move from darkness to light. I, I pray that we would know the, the only true light in this world is, is Christ. And I pray that we, in him we would overcome our, our fears. That we would realize that there is nothing to be afraid and, and take courage to face what the world will say. To take on the grand adventure of living for you. And to humbly admitting that, that we can't save ourselves, but you already have. And that we would accept that. Pray that we would know that this Christmas, and that is how you have saved all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.